please take your seats. Wonderful. Just a couple of things. Um, if you've got your Revival Times, uh, when you've got time to read it, you might be interested on page 10 and 11, because we've got some uh, testimonies of healings that were related to the ministry here at the Holy Spirit Fire Service. Um, so that, that's quite good. So just thought I'd mention that to you. Also, next Sunday at the Holy Spirit Revival Service, I'm going to be ministering on a topic I've not ministered on before, on healing. And uh, just to give you, because there may be people that maybe doesn't normally come out, but should come out uh, for that. I'm going to be speaking and ministering on James chapter 5, the prayer of faith. James 5.13, this is next week. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. If anyone cheerful, let him praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, I'm going to minister on that next week. When I was writing my book called uh, Shut Up and Show Me, a commentary on the book of James, which is now with Paternoster and will be out in September, and it's sort of like a companion to my book No More Law, which is a commentary on Galatians. When I spent some time in this passage on James, talking about the prayer of faith will save the one that was sick, I spent a lot of time studying it and getting deep into that, and I realized that what this was talking about, um, many people, when they look at this scripture, they say, oh, well, um, you know, it says you'll save the sick, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the sick will be healed. It's like the Holy Spirit gives the gift of healing wherever he wants, so when it says they lay hands, they may get healed or they may not get healed. But as I studied this, I realized it wasn't speaking about that at all. It wasn't speaking about the gift of healing or the gift of miracles that's in 1 Corinthians. And of course, nobody can make happen. It's as the Holy Spirit wills. We can desire earnestly the gift of healing and desire earnestly the gift of miracles. And God responds to that earnest desire. But this isn't what is being spoken about here. This is speaking about um, a cast iron promise that healing will come. But what is the environment this is speaking about? It's talking about sickness that comes from personal sin. That's what it's talking about. I'll speak more about this next week. We know that Paul said in Corinthians that some of you are sick. In fact, some of you have died because you're not treating one another properly and that is most evident when it comes to the Lord's Supper where we're meant to be one, correct? So he said, look, some of you, some of you, not all of you, some of you, the reason that you're sick, in fact, some of you have died, is because of the way that you've been treating one another. The sins of, your, the, sins of the flesh have had a physical aspect on your life, have had a physical effect on your life and caused a certain sickness that has sprung directly out of fleshly sins. That's what he was speaking about in that particular situation. Well, the whole uh, uh, James's context, context is exactly the same. It's speaking about people who are fighting 
and uh, warring. I mean, you just have to read chapter 4. And in the flesh. And here in this particular place, what James is saying is, look, as you turn to the Lord and forgive one another, as you realize your sinful actions and, and the way that you've been acting, if there is a sickness that has been linked to your personal fleshly activities, then as you come and confess your sins to God and make it right with other people and forgive, as you put things right spiritually, so if there is a sickness that has come about because of your fleshly activity, then during that process the elders will anoint you with oil and you will be healed. So in other words, if somebody is sick because of fleshly activity or sinful activity, present or past, if they put things right with God and are prepared to put things right with one another, then they will be healed. Okay, I'm going to expand on that next week. So it's not all sicknesses, but there is a specific sickness. I'm not saying if you're sick, you, you've sinned, but I'm saying there is a specific sickness that springs out of fleshly activity and behavior that when that fleshly activity and behavior is dealt with, as, it's, as it is in James, then that sickness will be dealt with too. That brand, that type of sickness. So next week, that's what I'm going to minister on. And uh, I know I've been waiting to, to minister on that. And I know that next week, many people are going to get healed. Don't worry, I'm not going to call out your sins. And, and sometimes, sometimes you don't know. You don't know if your sickness is, you might say, well, maybe that's me. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But let me tell you something. If it is linked, it'll be dealt with. If you're willing to open your heart and forgive others and put things right and come to the Lord about any of these matters, then if there is an element of sickness that is linked to it, you will be absolutely and totally healed through that. Do you hear what I'm saying? So I just wanted to, had to give a little bit of explanation. I'll be giving a lot more explanation next week about this kind of sickness. Because, you see, if we're praying for the Holy Spirit to heal you, and in, in an element of sickness, there's something that God wants you to put right. You know, some people are sick, and they're, some people are sick, and they're, and, they're, and, and there's not, you know, and they're, they're more right than any of us here. Do you know what I mean? Some of the holiest saints have also been the sickest, Yeah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a specific sickness that can or may arise through past sinful behavior or present sinful behavior, and that is dealt with by getting right with God. And I believe that there's going to be significant healing that, that goes on. It might be that this is, this is something... Anyway, that's enough. I just wanted to let you know so that you can pray about this ministry team and get ready, because that's the specific way that we're going to, to minister. Now, I want to pray for you tonight if you are experiencing pain, okay? Experiencing pain. Um, if, if you are habitually experiencing pain uh, out of some sort of sickness or physical condition, you know, not, oh, well, I, I had a headache but a week ago, now it's all right. But you say, do you know what? My life or part of my life there's this habitual pain that affects me in this area. I'm not saying it's all day, every day, but it's part of your lifestyle. You know, it comes, it goes, but it's there. It's a regular. So if you are experiencing, in some sense, regular or habitual pain in your body, I'd like you to leave your seats, come on the platform. We're going to pray for you tonight and believe that God's going to do some healing. So come on, come on out. Okay. 
You might say, well, it was all right last week, but it comes and goes week by week. Come on out, come on the platform. We're going to pray for you. It's a, it's, it, it doesn't matter what the origins are or what the sickness is, but here and there, it, it's a regular part of your life. Pain, physical pain I'm talking about. We ministered into some emotional pain last week. And we're just going to come here. I'm bringing you on the platform. And the reason that I, I often bring people on the platform is so that people in the congregation can also participate in praying for people because this is a corporate healing thing. And so if they're down here on the front, you can't see who you're praying for, but, but, but you, you, can, you, can, you can see that. So um, that's, what, that's what we're going to do right now. Can I have the pianist back, please, just to play so that we can just focus? If you're, in, if you're from the balcony, we'll wait for you. You say, shall I come out? Well, if you, want to, if you don't come out, you might why would you stay in your seat if you might get healed? Why would you stay in your seat? Unless you like the pain. Unless you like the pain, come, come, up, come on out. Thank you. Yeah, ministry team, if you could come up as well. Let's believe God to do something right now. Let's just believe God. Father, we believe tonight there's a congregation that you want to do something significant in pain levels and the sicknesses that cause those pain. These people that are on the platform today here, Lord, they experience habitual pain. We thank you that it's clear in Scripture that not only did you carry our sins, but it actually says you carried our pains. Literally, the word is carried our pains. And so, Father, we ask you now in the name of Jesus, that according to the leading of the Spirit, that you will send your healing power on this platform. And all these people, Lord, that are suffering some type of recurring or habitual pain, that you will bring healing relief right now. Lord, send your gifts of healing. Send your gifts of miracles right now, Lord. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit fall upon this platform for your gospel. Touch your people right now. The ministry team can just begin laying hands on people. Holy Spirit, we ask supernatural touch who's experiencing pain in the hand regions um, anybody experiencing pain that affects the hands on the platform you listen there. is there anybody your hand yeah what, what's the situation what, what, why, why do you have pain yeah, you fall down in the bathroom. When was that? Four years ago. And so, does this? And so, you regularly feel feel pain in in this hand? Yes. Yes. What's it like? How does it come? Uh, I feel numb. 
numbness comes and pain comes. Okay, just come out, we'll pray for you. What's your name? Kiro. Kiro. Let's pray together, everyone, specifically for Kiro. Lord, in the name of Jesus, this accident that happened three, four years ago, and it's recurring pain in this hand, numbness as well. We speak to the nerves in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Be healed. Be healed. That the anointing of the healer come upon you right now. Right through your body, we pray that healing power would come. We speak to this hand. Be healed. We speak to the origin of this pain. Be healed. We speak to every nerve. Let healing come. Freedom. Jesus, we pray. Let your healing flow in the name of Jesus, we pray, Father. Be healed. I mean, were you in pain when you came tonight, or does it come and go? Have you noticed, can you notice any difference? Right. Lighter. Lighter than before. Feels lighter? Yes. Just, just... I have some pain around here. You have some pain also in your arm. Father, in the name of Jesus, not only the hand, but the whole of the arm, the whole of this side, Lord, we pray for your healing power. Take away this pain, Lord, to your glory. Release your presence, we pray. Release your healing power now, Father, by the Holy Spirit, healing right through this arm, and into the hand be healed check it out how does it fine fine how, how do you mean fine how is it different it's lighter than before lighter, lighter, really. <laughs> yeah you, you think something's happened yes amen amen lord we ask your healing on every every person right now we pray that those that are suffering pain that came in with pain we pray that pain will leave right now we ask for the pain relief that comes from Calvary Lord that goes right to the root of pain right to the root of the soreness Lord or that which brings it is there anybody uh, here that suffers from um, what's it called when you have problems with your hands and moving your joints arthritis is anyone suffering from arthritis here anyone suffering from arthritis anyone suffering from arthritis out there would you come on the platform we'll pray for you anyone else suffer from arthritis yeah come on the platform yeah come on the platform is anyone upstairs with arthritis come on the platform just keep praying, ministry team. You suffer from arthritis. Ah, you're on the platform. That's good to come forward. We're going to pray for all of you. Just keep praying, team, and see if there's any change, if there's any discernible change. Sometimes when pain comes and goes, it's hard to tell. Just face me. All those with arthritis, just come here. So you, uh, where do you suffer from arthritis? In your hand, yeah. All right. Oh, it's hurt then. It hurt a little. Where do you suffer from? 
in your, in your hands. I felt something. Where do you suffer? In your knees. It's funny when I was, not funny, but when I was praying, I just felt something about hands. And obviously it's extended not just to the lady. Well, we're going to pray. Knees and hands. Yeah. Do you suffer from arthritis? I prayed for you before, haven't I? What did I pray for you last time for? Wrist. Did you notice any difference since then? It's gone down. So it has gone down. It's been getting better. Better, yeah. Uh, but, got my knee as well. but your knee. So, you, but it, you need more healing though on the on the wrist and the. Yeah, my knuckles and all that. But it, but it has been getting better since we, yeah, since we were praying. Yeah. Wonderful. Let's pray. Father, we as a congregation pray, Lord, for these that are suffering from arthritis in the hands and the knees. We ask your Holy Spirit, come now, Father. Send the power of the Holy Spirit upon them right now. Drive out this arthritis. Bring healing where healing is needed and bring deliverance from the spirit of arthritis if there be any working of that spirit. Healing and deliverance, Lord, upon them now in the name of Jesus. Pray that your knees will be healed in the name of Jesus. Pain go. Healing come in the name of Jesus. Pray for your hands in the name of Jesus. We pray that your hands be healed in the name of Jesus. We drive out. We drive this thing out in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Loose your grip on this life and let these hands be supple and oiled of the Holy Spirit and healed. Take authority over these hands, especially this tender area here. In the name of Jesus, we drive out this thing. And we ask for a healing anointing come upon you. The power of God overflow from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And through your hands, let power come. Virtue and power. Healing power from heaven. Come to earth in the name of Jesus. And let these hands be released. Let them be released from pain. In Jesus' name, be released from pain. Break the power of this arthritis in your hand. We ask for the healing oil of the Holy Spirit to flow in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, increase the healing that you've already started in this wrist and hand area. And in the knee, we pray for the Holy Spirit to come and do a great work of healing. Thank you, Father. Check out, see if you can notice any difference. See if they can notice any difference with that tender hand of yours that was so tender it was hurting when you came on and that finger. You certainly seem a bit more flexible. What do you notice? Jesus, I notice the pain is actually gone. The pain has begun. Because, because when you came on and you touched it, it hurt, didn't it? Yes, indeed. Yes. I heard you sort of wince. Or well, I saw you wince when you touched it, but now it's completely gone, the pain. Amen. Yes. Wow, that was so tender. Yes, indeed, yes. But it's gone now. The pain is gone. Thank you, Jesus. That's a miracle. I believe because when maybe you couldn't see, but when when she showed me a hand, she just touched it and she winced. It was like so tender. Oh, 
bless you. Notice any difference? It comes and goes, doesn't it? That's the thing with arthritis, not always. Yeah. Thank God, because I haven't been able to travel by train for years. But I came here tonight by train. So I'm getting better. And so you're getting better? Yes. Does anybody else notice a difference? Now, it doesn't all happen at once on a platform, but sometimes God gives us signs. Anybody else want to give a testimony? We're believing that we prayed for you and that something's going to happen. And remember, there's two ways the Holy Spirit works. He works in miracles, which are instantaneously. I believe we may have seen a miracle right there. But also he works in a healing, which is a process. It's like when you take your medicine, you take the first spoonful. You don't think, how come I'm not healed? There's a healing. And so there's a gift of healing and a gift of miracles. And we believe that the Holy Spirit called you all out to be prayed for tonight. And therefore, he wants to do something in your bodies and your lives. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Okay, good to see you. If you turn with me, thank, thank you. If you turn with me in, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Next Sunday is also going to be a time of great forgiveness. It's not just forgiveness and those that are going to be healed through that James passage. But next week is going to be a great evening of forgiving one another, okay? So expect a powerful anointing, and I'm expecting a powerful response where God will do a great work of forgiveness in our lives, but also that we will do a great work of forgiving others in our lives. There's going to be a great flow of forgiveness. Uh, we don't focus on forgiving others enough, but... God gave us the pattern, didn't he? The Lord's Prayer. And in that pattern, it was forgive us as we forgive those. That there is a link. That's what I'm saying about some certain kinds of sickness can sometimes be linked. As we forgive others, we're forgiven. As we extend healing to others, healing comes into our lives. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. When we block mercy and block forgiveness, it doesn't, it's not good for us. It's not healthy not to release forgiveness. It's not healthy to walk in forgiveness. It's not healthy not to be merciful. It actually comes back and it affects us in, in many different ways and sometimes physically. And what James recognises, <laughs> I'm going back to that passage again, but what James recognises is that you are body, soul and spirit. And what happens in the soul affects spirit and body. And what happens in the body can affect soul. You know, when you're, when you're physically in pain, it it can get you down, can't you? It affects you on the inside. When you're going through a physical difficulty, it affects your soul, it affects your spirit. But when your soul is strong, it affects your body. Sometimes when your soul is strong, it affects your physical. All these things are, are interlinked because you're one. You're physical, spiritual, and so you're one. And so next week we're going to minister into that sort of wholeness of who you are and believe that as we deal in one, one area, the soul and the spirit, it's going to have knock-on effects in the other area and we'll get some wholeness in this place next week. Well, Luke chapter 7 is what was on my heart tonight. And um, famous story, but I feel I've got a, a different Holy Spirit angle to it. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. 
And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learnt that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. From the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The kernel of truth that I want to pull from this uh, story is really found in one word, recognition. This passage is all about recognition. Recognizing who Jesus is, but also recognizing who you are. We have two people, they couldn't be more different. We have a religious doctor and teacher of the law, an upstanding citizen, a Pharisee, a pastor if you like. And then we have this fallen woman, this prostitute, who is at the edges of society. She would be a drug addict if they had drug in those days. And so you've got two people from totally different parts of society who would never come together, but have come together because of Jesus. And I want us to consider their recognition or lack of recognition, because there's a great lesson in this. The first of all, let's have a look at the Pharisee who's hosting Jesus. He obviously thinks enough about Jesus to invite him for tea. And he brings him in. He obviously thinks that Jesus has got something that's worthy of listening to, perhaps a message that should be discussed. And he's bringing Jesus in as a rabbi, perhaps as an equal, perhaps as somebody he's noticed with great gifting and As a Pharisee and religious leader himself, he feels that it's the right level that they should be meeting together. He might be a carpenter, but he seems to be a religious peer. 
and so they, 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 are, they, are, they, are, they are together. But what we see here really is that the Pharisee doesn't really recognize who Jesus really is. He's got a long way to go. He doesn't recognize Jesus and who Jesus really is. And also because of that, he doesn't recognize who he really is and his state and his situation. He doesn't recognize Jesus. And because he doesn't recognize Jesus, he doesn't understand his, soul's, his, his own situation, circumstance. He has uh, uh, an outward understanding of things. And this was the problem, generally speaking. There were some great Pharisees who turned to the Lord, but this was the general problem with what we call Pharisaism. It was always looking at the outside. It was what happened on the outside that meant everything. It was how you acted on the outside. It was how you adhered to external laws and regulations that mattered. It was an external type of righteousness. And the Sermon on the Mount is really partly Jesus' attack on Pharisaism that judged things on the outward. You, you read the Sermon on the Mount and you will see time and time again, it's all about Jesus saying that change starts from the inside out, not the outside in. But generally speaking to the Pharisees that were opposing Jesus, change was an external thing only. If you changed externally or behaviorally, then you changed. And so right through the Sermon on the Mount, you know, I can just pick a few things. Um, it's not enough that you don't murder externally. If you've got anger on your heart, you're guilty of murder. It's not enough that externally you don't commit adultery, but if you've got lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. If, if you don't steal, but you, you covet in your heart, you, you've, al- you've already, um, 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 yeah, exactly, stolen. And then other things. You may pray wonderful prayers, but actually the real prayer that matters is when you shut the door and nobody sees but God. Why? Because it's a heartfelt prayer. You may sign your, get one of those big checks they have so everybody can see, you know, these big Barclay checks and say, here I am, I would like to present this amount to Kensington Temple Appeal and uh, I hope you all see what I'm doing. This is my company or whatever. And everybody applauds. And Jesus said, don't even let anybody know. Don't even let yourself know. You know, write a check and then don't, then forget about it. And then when you get your account, go, where did that go? You, You see? It was, it was all about internal things. We could, we could look at, at many of the other things right there on the inside. But this man was judging things externally. He judged Jesus externally. He didn't see Jesus' heart and who Jesus really, really was. He judged this woman externally. As we'll see, he looked at her and he judged her in his heart and he thought to himself, Why can't Jesus see what we can see? I thought he was a prophet. We know this woman's outward actions. And he he mentions, he says, she is a sinner. How come Jesus can't see her for what she is? And he had no sense of indebtedness to Jesus. He didn't feel indebted to Jesus. He didn't feel grateful to Jesus. Why should he? he? He had no sense of or need of forgiveness or debt. 
Now, this is important because Jesus addresses this situation by speaking about debt, doesn't he? His whole parable addressing what's going on with this man, this Pharisee, and what's going on with this fallen woman, the whole of what's going on is addressed by this forgiveness of debt. And this man had no idea that he owed Jesus a debt in the first place to say thank you for forgiving it. He hadn't seen that Jesus had a saviour. He had no recognition of who Jesus was, of what Jesus had come to do, of what he would owe Jesus, of what Jesus could do for him. He had no recognition of it at all, and that lack of recognition was evident in his actions. Jesus would say, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't give me a kiss. You didn't even anoint my head with oil, the general things that you would do to a guest of honour. So his lack of recognition affected the way that he treated Jesus, his actions, his outward actions even, because of a lack of recognition. If he had recognised who Jesus was, perhaps he would have done what that woman was doing. Now, this is important, and this is my message to you tonight. Who are we more like in our daily life? Are we more like the Pharisee? Are we more like the woman? Do we really recognize who God is in Jesus Christ? Do we really recognize the debt that we owed, that he paid? Do we really recognize how much we need him? Do we recognize deep down in our hearts what he has done for us and where we'd be without him? Because if we recognize Jesus properly, not only will we see him as he is, but we will understand who we are. John Calvin, in his great books, The Institutes, begins his his whole work on doctrine. And he begins it by addressing what true knowledge is. And Calvin basically says this, that true knowledge basically can be separated into two parts that are interlinked, true knowledge. And true knowledge is this, to know who God really is, number one, and number two, to know who we really are. To know who God is and to know who we are is the sum of knowledge. And his whole of the rest of his book on Jesus, the Father, the Creator, Jesus, the Church, the Holy Spirit, is an expansion of knowing God and knowing ourselves. Now, you can't know yourself unless you know God first. You can't know yourself. You you have no appreciation of who you are unless you first come to a growing knowledge of who he is. That's what's devastating about the world today. There are so many people that have not yet been saved, so many people that are not yet born again. There are billions of people on planet Earth who don't know God. They know a false God, or they don't even believe there is a God. And they're in darkness. They don't know God. 
Well, how do we know God? We know God through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the express expression of who God is. You want to know who God is? Jesus is God. You want to know the Father? You have to know the Son. You've seen the Father, you've seen the Son, you understand who Jesus is, you've seen the Father. No man can come to the Father except through the Son. There's no other way. God has expressed himself in his Son. And so there are billions of people on earth who haven't even come to the first moment of understanding God and therefore have no idea who they are what they're made up of, why they're being put on this earth, how to deal with the problems that are in their lives. If you don't know the problem, how can you fix it? If you don't know what you're suffering, how can you bring healing to it? I have no idea. This is why a revelation and recognition of who Jesus is will have an absolutely life-changing effect on you in every aspect of yourself as a human being. The more you know God, the more you'll understand yourself. The more you understand yourself, the more you'll understand God. There's a conversation going on. It's not just knowing God. As you know God, you'll see yourself in his image and in his reflection. You'll see the problems that are there. God will show you, but the more you understand who you are, the more you'll appreciate who God is. It's a law of recognition, a spiritual law of recognition. Thomas said, the unbelieving Thomas, show us the Father. And Jesus said, you've already seen him. Show us the way, show us the way, give us the truth. Give us the healing, give us the ability to navigate life. What, 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 what is it, Lord? And Jesus said, don't you realise? It's not a bunch of rules or regulations, a bunch of psychological techniques, you want the way? You want the truth, you want the life, it's me. I am the way. It's not a bunch of doctrines, it's a person. I am the way. What is truth? I am the truth. What is life? I am the life. You need a way, you need some truth, and you need some life. And he's it. So the more we recognise who Jesus is, what he's like, what he's done, what he's doing, the more impact and life will come into our life. We'll begin to see things clearly. We'll begin to see ourselves clearly. We'll begin to see what's going on in the world clearly. We'll begin to see God clearly. We'll begin to see our destiny and purpose clearly. When things go wrong, we'll still be able to see clearly. This man had no recognition and no understanding of the relative positions of his guests and himself. He thought he was on an equal. He had no idea of who this was that was, was, was in his and he said he had no idea of who was God and therefore he had no recognition of himself. But he recognized the woman. And this is the point. He didn't recognize Jesus. And therefore, he didn't recognize who he was and his needs as a sinner. Oh, but he could recognize this woman. This is what Pharisees are like. They're always recognizing or passing judgment on others, but they haven't met God properly and they don't know who they are. They don't even recognize themselves. They are blind guides 
They are blind. Jesus said that Pharisees were blind. He said, you're blind. He said, how they said, how can you call us blind? We're teachers of the law. You're blind. You don't see. And that's your sin. And, and they were blind to themselves. This man, this Pharisee was blinded to Jesus. Blinded to himself. What a horrible position to be in. Oh, he could see the specks in other people's eyes. But he was blind to the plank in his own. He didn't even think he had a plank in his eyes. Sin does that to you, you know. Sin blinds you. It's a blinding work. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbeliever lest they see the light and the glory of Christ. It's a blind. They can't see. When we get caught in sinful practices, we get blinded by self-righteousness. We, we, we talk about justice and standing on our rights. You're blind. You're blind. That there is such a self-righteousness on the earth today. I mean, you just have to read the newspapers. I mean, you just have to read some of the newspapers like The Mirror and the Sun. I mean, The Mirror and the Sun are, is more self-righteous than the first five books, the Torah. There's more law and self-righteousness and judgment in the mirror. And the, I mean, and it's getting stronger and stronger. Everybody's judging everybody else. It's outrageous. And this man was what like that? But he recognized that woman. If this man were a prophet, he'd know what sort. She is a sinner. You could see she was a sinner. No, Jesus addressed that. And the problem with this man is he didn't realize his debt. Didn't think he had a debt. Well, what about the woman? Well, the woman was the exact opposite. On the outside, she'd been a right mess. On the outside, she'd done it all wrong. But something had happened on the inside. What had happened on the inside of this woman? A recognition had taken place. She recognized in a way that everybody else in the room thought thoroughly inappropriate who this man Jesus was. She recognized who he was and she recognized who she was in relationship to him. She knew who it was she was touching. She had recognized. And look, look at the recognition. I mean, she is weeping. Weeping over his feet. She is, she is worshipping him. Weeping, wetting his feet with her tears, wiping his feet with the hair of her head. I mean, these feet, you know, this is important because they used to wear sandals. And so they would be walking in all the dirt and the open sewers. And that's why, you know, normally you'd wash, you'd wash a guest's feet. But washing a guest's feet was a very humble thing to do. You usually get your slaves to do it. I wonder if Pharisees, the Pharisees' slaves are not on duty that day because he certainly didn't, didn't do it. Remember the horror of the disciples in John's Gospel. When Jesus said, I will wash your feet. And they were like, no. They were like, they were, uh, they were like this is the last thing that you will do. That's the last thing you will do because our feet is so dirty. It's, it's, 
It's contaminated. And Peter was like, no way. No way are you going to do that. It's just not going to happen. And then Jesus dealt with Peter, didn't he? Well, here she is. She's kissing his feet. She doesn't care where his feet has been. She just cares because she knows whose feet they are. Not only is she kissing and weeping and washing the dirt off his feet with her tears and her kisses. I mean, what, what sort of passion, what sort of, what's going on on the inside of this woman to do such a thing? What would it take for you, man or woman here, to do the same thing? What sort of state, what sort of emotional state, what sort of recognition would have to take place inside of you where you would be weeping over the feet of another, kissing the dirty feet of another, wiping the feet with your hair, or if you don't have hair, buffing, buffing his feet with your <laughs> head. What would it take for such a recognition to have such a tremendous impact on your soul? This is the question that the Holy Spirit, not me, but the Holy Spirit is posing to us today. Well, she knew how much. And again, we come back to this parable that Jesus gave to address the situation. It was about debt. It was about forgiveness. She knew the debt she owed, first of all, to him. The debt she owed. And that debt, she couldn't pay. The two debtors couldn't pay. That's the point. They couldn't pay. And whether it's 50 or 500 denarii, they couldn't pay it. What does that mean? It means that the person that they owed it to could throw them into prison for as long as they couldn't pay it. In other words... If they couldn't pay it and could never pay it, they would be in a dark prison forever. That's, this, is, this is the state of human, humankind. Because whether it's 50 or 500, you can't pay it and you owe it to God. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about your sin debt. I'm talking about God. Perfect in every way. Above, above reproach. Glorious and holier than we could possibly imagine. So holy, so perfect, that even the tiniest, what we'd call the tiniest, slightest sin is offensive to him forever and ever and ever. The problem with us is we don't know God and we have a low view of sin. So what we tolerate, God does not tolerate. We were born sinners with a propensity to sin. In other words, in every human being that's been born except Jesus, who was born of a virgin, sinless, in every human being since Adam and Eve, we are born with a sin bias. We can't help it. You have to teach a child to be good. You don't have to teach a child to be bad. There is a sin bias. Left to our own devices, we will always veer off. It was like a car I used to have. And I had the... Uh, <laughs> I had the steering wheel many years ago. 
and I found and I realized that there was a slight bias to the right. So if I was going down the road and I took my hands off the wheel, then I'd see it go start going. So it's got a bias to the right. So that meant that I always had to, I didn't, it was only a little thing, but I always had to slightly have the wheel correcting the car. Well, we have a sin bias in our fallen nature in this fallen world. That's what we have. We were born with a sin bias. And we were born in debt. And so because we were born with a sin bias, it's like we're used to sin. We don't know any difference. None of you have ever been in an environment of sinlessness. Not, you haven't even spent one moment in an environment of sinlessness. Unless you've had the Shekinah glory of God fill your room or something, then maybe you have. You, you, we, we are sin biased. We are sin contaminated. And so, what we call brilliant white, if I can put it like this, what we might, if I could put it in colour version, what you might say is glorious, brilliant white. God looks at that and says, that's dirty, dark brown. So it's what you're used to. We're saying, this is white as white. But God looks at that and says, you think it's white of white because of your circumstances. But if you're sitting from where I'm sitting, that's dirty, dark brown. You hear what I'm saying? His ways are not our ways. His standards are not our standards. His utter total hatred of sin because it is a rejection of everything that he is, is, God is in his nature. When he created the world, he created it sinless, perfect, good in all, res all respects. It was us, humanity, that brought this world into a sinful, broken situation that God will one day reverse. We need to recognize that. You see, when people have a recognition of who God is, their lives change. Isaiah when he saw the, as I was preaching, woe to you, when he began. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. He saw the sin of others. He was right, he was a prophet. Woe to you, do this. Woe to you, do that. Isaiah 6, he meets God and he's saying, woe is me. <laughs> so where he was, to begin with, he was a righteous prophet. He was the righteous one among them. And he's saying, woe to you, you sinners. Woe, woe, look at the darkness of you. And, and, and he was bright, shining light in comparison and then the glory of God descends. It's like, woe is me. He had a revelation of God and therefore had an equal revelation of himself. The greater we have a revelation of God, the greater we encounter God, the greater we meet Jesus, then the greater revelation and understanding and deepening of our own understanding of who we are. Peter knew who Jesus was and Jesus comes, throw your net on the other side. He throws his net on the other side and they catch this miraculous catch. And what does Jesus and what does Peter do? He says, depart from me. I am a sinful man. Oh, is that a negative reflection? Is this, oh, you know, it's that sin thing again. You Christians are always on about sin. Well, we're on about sin because we've got an answer to sin. People in the world don't even believe in sin because they've got no answer to it. Yet sin is ruining them, destroying them and enslaving them. And Peter, that was a healthy thing. It was healthy for Peter to say, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. He, he was never more psychologically healthier than he was at that moment in his life. Because he saw Jesus in a new way. And seeing Jesus in a new way, he saw himself in a new way. And there was a healthy respect. Isaiah, when he saw, when he saw the glory of the Lord, he said, woe is me. 
He was in the best position of his life because he saw God in ways he'd never seen him and he'd seen him before. And seeing God as he was, it immediately brought a reflection of who he was. It brought health and understanding and vision. Oh, that the glory of God would return to the church. That the church would wake up to its own condition. Glory to God. We are asleep, slumbering. What we need is a divine visitation of spirit and word. A fresh encounter with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. A fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit where we begin to see things differently and it starts with seeing the Lord in a different light and when we see Him in a different light, we'll see ourselves in a different light and, we'll re- re- and what will come out of it? Woe is me. But not a negative woe, a positive woe. In other words, woe is me. I owe you so much, I'm in debt. I'm in need. And that's what the woman was. She knew, she, she was like, woe is me. I have a debt that I can't pay. And if I can't pay it, I'm going to suffer for it forever and ever and ever. I'm lost. She had an awareness of her lostness. I owe a great debt that I can't pay. But Jesus forgave her her debt, paid for her debt. And this was her response to him. She couldn't believe it. She no longer had to stay in a deep, dark prison forever and ever and ever. It's called hell. But she'd been released from the consequences of sin, released from the power of sin, knowing that one day also she'd be released from the presence of sin. And she was so grateful and acknowledged who this was. It was her that would carry her pains and her sins. And every act that she did, every wicked act that she did, and every, uh, every righteous act that she didn't do, the sins of commission and the sins of omission, it's not just the bad you've done, it's the good you should have done that you are judged for. And when she saw all the stuff she should have done and all the stuff she shouldn't have done, and when she saw that this man had carried it away from her and said, your sins are forgiven, she couldn't help herself Something deep and emotional had taken place in her life. May God touch our emotions. Do you know, if God doesn't touch your emotions, he'll never touch your will. Anybody that reads the great revivalist Jonathan Edwards, if you've ever read any of his stuff, and some of his stuff is hard to understand, I wish he, why does he have to speak like a philosopher? Why can't he speak plain language? I spend hours reading his stuff and then I have to distill them and I think, well, you could have said that plainly. That's the one thing about Jonathan Edwards. It goes on and on in philosophical terms. I don't understand. Anyway, I'm actually speaking well of him, aren't I? Not. So, and he basically says, look, if you can't touch a person's affections, if you can't touch their emotions, you'll never get to their will. And some people are anti-emotional. Now, I'm, I'm not emotion for emotion's sake, but this was not emotion. This was high levels of expressed emotion, wasn't it? I mean, it was embarrassing levels of expressed emotion. I mean, she took three months' wages in a bottle of fragrance and poured it on his feet. That's how, how she recognized him of being worthwhile. That, that could have been sold for the poor. That could have been used for something else. No, 
It was a personal recognition, a personal worship of Jesus, that she would lavish such things on one person. It was an outpouring of her emotion. She had been emotionally touched by the Master. The Pharisee had not been touched emotionally at all in any way, shape, or form. Now, you can, uh, now emotions are the signals of the heart. And, and emotions can stem from good things. Emotions can stem from bad things. You know, emotions are neutral. It's what's behind them that counts. So not all emotional is great, but not all emotional emotions are to be dismissed. These emotions certainly are not to be dismissed. In fact, wish to God this Pharisee had had some of these emotions in his life. He'd have been a lot healthier. She was the most healthy person in the room. Yet to others, she was crazy. She, she, she'd lost herself. She was inappropriate. But when you look at the story of debt forgiveness... Her emotions and response to the person of Jesus were absolutely spot on and appropriate. In these days, God wants to touch us at a deeper level. He wants to touch us in our mind so that our emotions can be touched. And he wants to touch our emotions so that our will can be changed. You see, desire is what changes your will. If you have a strong enough desire, it's amazing what you'll do in the gym, isn't it, Scott? These people who go to the gym all the time and good on you, Scott, although he hurt his back next, last week, so pray for him. You go to the gym and the things that people will do, isn't it? Why? Why? What? Why? I just, I just don't see it myself. I just don't, I don't have the willpower. That's right, you don't have the willpower because you don't have the Desire. Desire is linked to emotion. Desire. Passion. Aren't these emotional things? They're not non-emotional. Desire. Passion. Leads to the change of will. Oh God, send your Holy Spirit amongst us. And touch our passions. And touch our emotions. And touch our desires. And, 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 And through touching our emotional faculties, reach in that our will may be changed. Not that, emotion, not that she was emotional all the time, but there are moments of emotion, my friends, that are coming your way, I prophesy. Moments of emotions. We need some wet eyes. We need some tears. We need some joy. These are coming. The Holy Spirit is coming to touch our emotions. Not for emotion's sake, but to reach with truth through the emotions, to grasp your will, to cause there to be change. This woman, this woman is for us. This woman is a picture for us. Wherever the gospel is going to be preached, they are going to tell this story, these types of stories. God. So as, 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 as I, in a few moments, we can have the worship team back. I'm prophesying something tonight. I'm not saying you're going to experience it this evening, but I'm prophesying. I'm doing a work, a surgeon's work in your heart, preparing you. Working on your mind to understand 
that there needs to be and there will be a deeper recognition level in our lives of what God, where's the, the worship team gone home? Maybe they're just emotionally exhausted by the sermon. No, they're here. I thought it had started early. But God, a recognition, a stepping back and thinking, do you know what? I couldn't pay it. Where would you be if it wasn't for God? Where, where will you be in a year if not for God? Everything we owe, not just the past, but what you owe him today by the grace of God. What you owe him today. What you owe him in the future for what he's going to do for you. A recognition. A deeper recognition. This will change us. And there will become at the right time appropriate action. Appropriate change in lifestyle. Appropriate turning from sinful negative actions and reactions that harm us and harm others because of a recognition out of our lives in many different ways and formats will come the washing of his feet with our tears the drying of his feet with our hair the pouring of something precious on the least precious part of who he is will be like the people who loved David so much when he was in that cave and he was saying, oh, that I could drink from the wells of Jerusalem. Do you remember that? Just a desire, he wasn't asking, just that desire. And what they went to, these warriors, to get into that enemy place of Jerusalem, to bring him back a glass of water. I believe that's where God wants us to be. And you know, not just for his sake, but for our sake a healthy place. God's going to bring us into a journey of this woman's healthy place. Recognition. They're the most beautiful people on planet Earth. The Christians that are grateful. The simple Christians that are just thankful. Thankful for the bread of the day. Thankful for the little things. Not their demanding with their rights before God. You have no rights before God. But just thankful, thankful. Thankful to be saved. Thankful to be alive. Thankful to be changed. Thankful. Grateful for the debt. God wants to work this so much deeper in our lives. And if you can take this prophecy tonight, he's going to do it. And with every head bowed, is there anyone here tonight and you want your debts forgiven for the first time. You owe God. He created you. You're his property. Whether you believe in him or not, you are his property because he created you. But you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But you can have your sins forgiven right now for the first time. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I believe you will be saved. Is there anybody here with every head bowed? Lift your hand and I'll pray for you and you can have your debts forgiven for the first time tonight. Up in the balcony. Down here. Anybody? Lift your hand. I'll pray for you. 
the first time in your debts, all your debts, though your sins be many like this woman, they'll be forgiven. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come forward right now. We're just going to... Well, let's sing that song, Bow Down and Worship Me, that we sang so well earlier on. Worship Him, sorry. Worship, Bow Down and Worship Him. And let's sing that as a beginning of, of new journeys into recognizing who he is and therefore understanding who we are. If there's anything you need prayer for tonight, don't rush away. Come forward and our ministry team will pray for you, whatever that situation is. If you need to go, see you next week. We've got a very special evening coming next week. Let's stand together, shall we? As uh, we come forward for prayer, worship the Lord, or go into our week.